In this episode of the Unfolded Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, season two has begun, baby. We're back. Summer off, rested, relaxed, and refueled. I can't thank you, our listenership, enough for making season one a success. I'm excited about starting this new season. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast. I want to give a quick shout out to Principal Sharon Hampton, Mad Yoon out of Battle Creek, Michigan, who messaged a brother last week, kind of giving a nudge, asking when season two is going to start. That seems like it's really small, but it was a nice affirmation. So here we go. Let's get this thing started. doesn't matter how topsy-turvy the world is. Learning still occurs. There are things we always have to ensure, and leadership still matters. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored, putting all his business in the street. The podcast, bless his heart. The name, Ken Williams. Wow, what a lift we got today. At a principal's meeting with the superintendent, she took a minute to recognize four schools as models for Reading First implementation. Huey, Lee Street, Fountain, and she said last but not least, I'm so proud of the gains this school has made. Ken Williams and Swint Elementary. It was so good to get sincere, authentic, and genuine recognition. We've worked hard to dig ourselves out of the abyss. I could not wait to get back to school and celebrate with staff. I called a five-minute standing staff meeting with the achievement gap data I received in October in hand. That data made clear that we were the worst performing school in the district in the areas of reading and math. It was now March, and I set the stage by reminding them that when I received that data back in October and shared that data with them, I mentioned the vision of being a Georgia School of Excellence, demonstrating three years of growth in all areas. I told them that only four schools were recognized here in March as reading first models of implementation. The other three schools were recognized publicly and it felt so good. It was one of the few times I've seen my entire staff genuinely elated. The happiness and pride flowed. I worked to make it a milestone moment. I'm even considering having a sign that reads, Swint Elementary, Future Georgia School of Excellence, Reading First Implementation Model School. Let's get into it. A lot of places I can go with this one. I want to start with celebrations, especially in this time where things seem so uncertain and, you know, we have to be ready to pivot on a dime. It can kind of move us into a spiral of either malaise or negativity. But some things must remain constant. It doesn't matter what the learning and teaching format is at the current time, celebration is really important. And one of the things I learned early on as a principal is that uh, celebration for celebration's sake isn't the key. 
celebration that is aligned with moving the mission and vision of your school forward is really where it's at. Nothing wrong with celebrating birthdays and milestones and so-and-so got engaged just last summer or Junebug caught a big fish over spring break, but there is something really powerful about celebrating those milestones that move learning forward. And this for us was huge because I make no bones about the fact that we were the worst performing school in the district. And at the time, the worst performing district in the greater Atlanta area. And so it's easy to say there's no place to go but up, but you've got to work the talent and the staff to make that stuff happen. So having this, our superintendent recognizes publicly was it was just huge. It really was. So it, it allowed us an opportunity to celebrate. And it also, as a leader, should reinforce why it's so important to make sure that everyone on staff is executing those specific best practices. So with that in mind, you want to celebrate, but also be sure to talk about why it happened. And I got pretty good at making our staff articulate what the root of the celebration was and then what we did to make it happen. And it could be new things that we implemented, like new best practices with fidelity across staff, or it could be things that were working that we continued. But to me, it's important that staff articulate what we did to earn this celebration, earn this milestone. The opposite, of course, is true as well. But today we're talking about celebration because what you don't want is the idea that this was luck or it just uh, it happened and, and we're not sure why. you got to attach it to their work so they know that this work has a payoff. And it also should embolden you as a leader to then be a warm demander about executing best practice because that again is part of the blessed burden of leadership is that we have to see around corners for our staff and even though they may not think they're ready to execute the best practice they may not want to execute the best practice whatever it is those are those times where you have to put your um, your approval rating on the back burner and know that however long later Positive results are going to come out of the wash. Now, this is, I mean, we got the news of our standing in October and we put practices in place. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, I wasn't the most popular at the time and it felt raggedy at times, but we finally got folks on the right page. And again, you know, when I point out the specific program in the, the, the body of, of reading the journal entry, I'm not married to the specific program more than I am the fact that we executed with fidelity and we got results. So that's another important point of this thing is that teachers need a payoff. You know, I drop micro learning videos two or three times a week and this past week I dropped one asking where are you driving that data because schools are talking all the time about how data driven they are, data driven, data driven, data driven, but where's the data being driven to? And do teachers see the payoff? Because that's how you get to continue doing this very complex work. It has got to pay off. Lastly, I want to say, and this is an experience I had, you know, based on an event this summer, 
when I say we were the worst performing school in the district, I don't say that to brag or say that to make it sound like we did things that were extraordinary. My point is this, in this era of equity being on the front burner, our standing and the fact that we were serving a community, it was 95% frame reduced lunch, 95% poverty, six years of cycle failure. Um, I was hired eight days before kids returned. We had all the excuses to continue being a failing school. We had tons of things we could point to that added up to inequitable policies, unfair treatment. And we could have used that as an excuse to not achieve and then point to our students' lack of achievement as the reason why, you know, and then blame inequity for it. But in my heart and soul, I couldn't do that. That's not how I was raised. So while I acknowledge that there are inequitable policies, that, um, that there are issues that need to be dealt with on a larger, more global level, we got business to tend to today. And we got kids coming to school today who didn't ask for um, an inequitable environment. And we're not gonna use them or their data as pawns to further our cause for inequity. So my point is, until those big picture policies have been changed or dismantled or whatever other term you wanna use, you gotta deal with the cards you've been dealt. And while there are times where you have to work twice as hard you know, because of inequitable policies, we can't use them as an excuse for why our schools are failing. And I know that is a, it's a crazy juxtaposition, but it's one that has served me well. And when I look at the eyes, in the eyes of those students and the staff who are working hard, we owe it to them to do what we can with the hand we're dealt with. Now that said, for those folks who are wired to get uh, legislation changed, uh, and laws changed and policies changed. I'm not that person, but I will donate to the cause. I will help pay your uh, bus fare to, to get to the hill and, um, and get things changed. But in the meantime, we cannot use the state of our school as a reason why students are failing. So this was a big deal. This was a huge deal. All right, I said that was the last thing, but it's almost the last thing. The other thing I want to communicate to you is out of our book. Uh, Tom Herc and I wrote a bestseller, Starting a Movement, by the way. have a new book coming in three weeks, Ruthless Equity. But out of our book, Starting a Movement, Chapter 7, Communication, Stories and Celebrations. And it, it underscores what I said in the beginning about the power of celebration in a PLC, in a school focused on equity. And I just want to just give you a couple of the headings from that chapter. Storytelling shapes culture. Now, I wrote that years ago, but I'm telling you today, more than a decade later, as I read that journal entry, it takes me right back to that moment. And that's because a few things that we highlight based on the work of Kevin Eikenberry, and that is this, stories make a point. Stories make the point memorable. Stories make the point meaningful. Stories create and reveal emotions and stories build connection. I'm telling you more than a decade later, 
reading that entry, I am right back at that school, right back at that standing staff meeting, feeling those same emotions, and they drive me forward. So I'm grateful that my mentor pushed me to keep a journal entry, and I'm telling you, the power of stories is immeasurable. episode of the unfold the soul bless his heart leadership podcast i'm always amazed at how the inside of a school building can be like its own little society where there are often issues of power plays who has the power and who doesn't thank you again for listening to this podcast please share it with a teammate a colleague or a friend and always remember that no matter what's going on in our world when you wake up on the right side of dirt you playing with house money baby you playing with house money. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.